Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. The sermon text is the OT Old Testament reading from Isaiah 64. You may be seated. In the name of Jesus. Amen. What is the first thing that we hear at the beginning of the church year? Happy New Year, by the way. No one knew they were going to get that, but, but, there, but there we go. Happy New Year! What's the first thing that we hear at the beginning of this new church year? You heard that first sentence from the OT reading. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence. Advent 2023 begins with a prayer of desperation from a nation that feels as though... There's nothing but divine desertion. Lord, what are you waiting for? Come down and help us. Be that writer of wrongs today without delay. Crickets. Silence. Waiting on the Lord is weighing on them. That's a bit true for us, eh? I think, I think we can relate to that. When we have become dismayed because it appeared as though the Lord was delayed, haven't we prayed, Oh Lord, come now to our aid? This prayer from Isaiah 64 ain't new. It's a prayer prayed in every generation. It might be worded differently, but the idea is the same for all of us. Praying this kind of prayer. Verses 1 and 2. Oh, that the, you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood, and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, and that the nations might tremble at your presence. Now, Prophet Isaiah, he's looking around, and he's seeing all of these nations surrounding the nation. These nations closing in on the nation. The northern kingdom, of course, by this point, has already fallen, taken into captivity. The Assyrian assault is real, and the southern kingdom appears to be next. They are in the crosshairs of the Assyrians. Nowhere to run and hide. No escape. No escape. They're, uh, they're boxed in! Boxed in like their forefathers when they were stuck between you know, Pharaoh and his army and the Red Sea. It appears as though they're stuck. Desperation sets in. Fear begins to take over their bodies. The only option they seem to have left is a divine intervention, so they dial up 1-800-CALL-GOD, right? Lord, what are you waiting for? Do something. Stop the stalling, okay? Rip the heavens and come down here and fill these enemies with fear. We are in quite the pickle and plight, so, you know, show your face and fight. Come on! Make the mountains shake and quake like you did at Mount Sinai. Bring the heat that no one can beat so that your people will not suffer defeat. What you did for your people. 
against the Pharaoh. Do for us now against these enemies that surround. Lord, you've got the power, so use it this very hour. Well, then prophet Isaiah, he gives uh, the credentials for the Lord. Uh, no one else can say, I'm God, <laughs> except for uh, this one called God. Isaiah 64, 4. From of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. Wait. We, we have waited for the Lord, haven't we? We have. Is that easy? Does anyone here think that waiting for the Lord is easy? <laughs> if you do, we can have a talk after church, okay? <laughs> it ain't easy. It's downright difficult. Waiting on him is weighing on us. All of us have come against what, humanly speaking, appeared to be a dead end. Desperation set in. Fear begins to take over the body. Sure, Pharaoh's fury, the Assyrian assault, they're not our problems, but, you know, we have problems. Did you know this? No one walked into uh, this place, 303 Ruth Street, without problems. Maybe you even have 99 of them. I don't know. The youngins will get that joke. Okay. We all have problems. Every single one of us. There are things in our lives that get us crying out, Lord, come now to our aid. Misuse and abuse that inflict, inflict wounds, that pester, and don't seem to get any better. Lord, come now to our aid. We watch a child or a friend, a family member, make a decision that brings unnecessary consternation. Lord, come now to our aid. Haunted by what could have been, what could have been. Lord, come now to our aid. Waking up and going to bed with pain, psychological, physical, spiritual, emotional pain that is so deep. Lord, come now to our aid. A relationship that it's just so, 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 so shaky. And doesn't seem that it'll ever get steady. Lord, come now to our aid. Loneliness and loss that just, you know, we can't shake. Lord, come now to our aid. Those words from a doctor, I can't do any, anything else for you. Lord, come now to our aid. Death that we see all around us and death that we feel in our bones. Lord, come now to our aid. Crickets! Silence! We wait and we wait and we wait for the Lord like, you know, we heard in our scripture readings today. The Bible says that quite a bit. Wait for the Lord. Well, but we're waiting. Nothing. It's getting harder and harder for us to pray. We start to feel like prophet Isaiah and the OT people of God. Thinking, Lord, yeah, it's not you, it's me. The problem is not the problems. The problem is me, isn't it? 
And that's pretty much what prophet Isaiah says in verse 5 of the OT reading. You meet him who joyfully works righteousness, those who remember you and your ways. It sounds really good right there, right? And then there's this behold, which is a looky-looky here, the tension-getting word, right? Behold, here's where we really are. This is where Isaiah and the people were. You were angry, and we sinned. In our sins, we have been a long time, and shall we be saved? Now, prophet Isaiah here gives us three, uh, four, excuse me, four images, pictures of sin, as reasons for why the Lord's face may be hidden. Is it, is it um, because of our sinfulness that our Lord is cold and callous, absent, distant, MIA? The prophet Isaiah makes a pretty good argument for that. And he doesn't exclude himself. He, he includes himself in this message, just like every preacher <laughs> is first really preaching to himself, right? Verses 6 and 7. We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf. And our iniquities like the wind take us away. There is no one who calls upon your name, who rouses himself to take hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and have made us melt in the hand of our iniquities. Four graphic and gruesome pictures of sin here. Spiritually polluted, gross garments, fading foliage, and snoring sleeper. Is anyone snoring out there? Is anyone? Okay, okay. Just, I'm just checking. Just checking. Okay, just checking. If someone's snoring, you, you can just kind of nudge that person right now. Okay. First, spiritually polluted. Now, this is the label that was given to every single L-E-P-E-R leper. They were spiritually polluted. Their disease defiled them, desecrated them, dirtied them. So much so that they couldn't step foot in, in the house of God. They were canceled, alienated, excluded, separated from God and people. They were not allowed to be in communion with deity and community. Well, we got it worse, okay? We are spiritually polluted. We are conceived and born, testing positive for this leprosy of sin. And there's nothing we can do to clean ourselves up. We can try, but we just uh, spread the contamination. That's what happens when we try. We spread the contamination. And that brings us to the next image, gross garments. No human being has a leg to stand on when it comes to boasting. No human being actually has reason to boast in his accomplishments or, or her performance. Even the best works that we do are soiled with S-I-N. Sin. And you and I already know this. There is... There is no way for us to actually perform a truly selfless act. All of our actions have a bit of selfishness baked into it. 
all, all you do is spend a little time and think about your actions, your works, and, and, you, will, and you will see that selfishness, okay? And, and so do I. And that's humbling. That, you know, it grounds us. That's a good thing. But we go even deeper than, the, than uh, you know, on the, on the face of the ground, right? Because sin has consequences. The wages of sin is, is death. And this brings us to the third image, fading foliage. Do you ever feel like fading foliage? <laughs> I do. <laughs> I'm getting older now. I'm starting to feel it. Yeah. Yeah. I had my physical this week in the... Doctor gave me a whole bunch of exercises for my knee because I'm probably running a bit too much. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not. I'm not uh, 18 anymore. I'm 38. So there we go. And uh, the next question is, well, are you doing those exercises, Pastor? And the answer is, uh, <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ruth was uh, bringing that up today. Yeah, there we go. Am I icing my knee? No, I'm not. I probably shouldn't be doing that. But there we go. Um, we often feel like the leaves in our yards, you know, this time of year. Those leaves that are decomposing, crumbling, vanishing, poof, gone. But we don't always like to think about our mortality. I don't think anyone here on Facebook has as a hobby thinking about my mortality. <laughs> I don't think anyone here has that as a hobby on Facebook. Um, I don't think, I'm not suggesting you should. There's a lot in this life that can distract us, dear friends. Uh, tons of things in this life that can put us asleep to reality, which brings us to that final image, snoring sleeper. There have been those times... And, and maybe recently, but I know in my own life, there, there are those times where we, we bury our, our faces in the pillow of pleasure, possessions, popularity, power, pulling the sheets over our heads, forgetting and forsaking God. Well, should God forget and forsake us? He should, but does he? He doesn't. Thanks be to God that he doesn't hide his face from us forever. Look at that gospel reading today. The triumphal entry. Some of you probably thought, wow, is it, is it Palm Sunday? Where is the, the Palm Sunday processional with the children waving the palm branches? Kind of an odd way to begin the church here, eh, with the Palm Sunday reading. But it's actually a perfect way to begin the church here because it reminds us that we have a God who shows his face in Jesus. The Palm Sunday Parade, dear friends, is the promise that our Father will come to our aid because we are his people, blood-bought and paid. Lord, rend the heavens and come down now! That prayer, dear friends, has been answered already in the person and work of Jesus. Advent, dear friends, means coming, arriving, God has come. God has arrived in Jesus. He's come way down here. Down into the womb of a poor teenage girl. Down into that you know, feeding trough outside Bethlehem. Down into Egypt with his mommy Mary and his, and his guardian Joseph. Down into the waters of the Jordan River to get baptized by his cousin. Down into all that 
dirties and defiles and desecrates down into the broken and the busted, down into our losses and loneliness, down into our diseases and our dis-ease. And then we see in our text, down, 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 onto a donkey. A donkey! Riding into Jerusalem with the streets lined with folks, waving their palm branches, crying out these words, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna! It's a one-word Hebrew prayer, several words in English. Lord, save us now. Not tomorrow, not, you know, next week, not, you know, 100 years from now. Lord, save us now. And that's what Jesus comes to do. And he's done it. Mission accomplished. Jesus, he rides that donkey up to Jerusalem so he can go down, 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 down onto the cross. Survey that wondrous cross, dear friends. And there you see a mystery. A mystery that just awes us and shocks us and amazes us. On Good Friday... God turns away from God so that God's face can be turned towards everyone in the human race. See, God the Father hid his face from his Son on the cross, his Son full of sin, so that now the Father looks at us with a happy grin saying, You are my beloved children. See, all that makes us spiritually polluted, all that makes our works gross garments, all that, you know, makes us feel like fading foliage, all that makes us snoring sleepers, all that could ever make the Father hide his face from us, Jesus has taken away on the Friday that we call good. Taken away at the cross. And we know this because with his dying breath, you, you know what Jesus says from the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you hidden your face from me? Now, God the Father doesn't remain absent cold, callous, upset, with his son, full of our sin, your sin and mine, the world's sin, there on the cross, he actually hears his son's cry for help. No deaf ear. He hears. And he comes to the rescue. God the Father does turn once again to his son on Easter morning. On Easter morning, the Father vindicates his son, validates his son, approves his son. Gives his thumbs up to his son's salvation of the world job. Making prophet Isaiah's words here in the OT reading sure and true. Be not so terribly angry, O Lord, and remember not iniquity forever. Behold, please, please look, we are all your people. 
There is nothing that the Lord can be angry about with you or with me. How can there be? All that could ever anger the Father was buried in the black hole of Jesus' death and left there. All that could ever make the Father angry with us has been removed from us as far as the east is from the west. Now, if that's not good news, I have no idea what good news is. It gets better, though. It gets better. We are not just, you know, God's people. We are also his his family! That's what prophet Isaiah says here. Verse 8. But now, O Lord, but now, O Lord, you are our Father. That's the only time in the Old Testament, uh, Old Testament where that expression is used. You are our Father. That but now is so much good news. Whatever gets you thinking that the Lord can't look at you. The Lord can't accept you. The Lord can't embrace you. The, the Lord can't love you. The Lord can't smile, rejoice over you. Remember those words, but now. But now, but now I belong. But now I'm God's family. But now I'm embraced by my Father who delights in me. And this is all possible because of the blood, the blood of Jesus. That blood at Calvary that was shed touches us at the font and washes us into God's family. And in this family, God is so hands-on. He's the P-O-T-T-E-R. The potter! <laughs> I love that image. The potter! He's the potter after all. And so we can stand with prophet Isaiah and the OT people of God and say these words. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. When we think that we're not in good shape. And so we cry out, Lord, come now to our aid. Remember that this father is also the potter who's using his hands to shape and mold <coughs> us into his perfect works of art. I think everyone here has uh, had that experience where you say, well, I'm not in good shape. That could be, you know, not in good shape financially, physically, emotionally, psychologically. Here's the truth. No one here is actually in good shape. <laughs> well, that's kind of a downer message, Pastor. That's actually good news, though. Because it means that, you know, we're not the ones that have to shape our lives. Our lives aren't in our hands. Our lives are in the potter's hands. And no one here is a finished product. We are all clay in the potter's hand, and we are his masterpieces that are in the process of becoming. His masterpieces in the making. And it will take all life long. I think that's the hard part. It will take all life long. What is so remarkable and astonishing to me is that this potter uses every bit of our lives, every nook and cranny, the good, the bad, the ugly. He uses everything to shape and mold us. Nothing is a waste to him. Whatever gets you crying out, Lord, come now to our aid. The Father is already there. He's already there. Pressing, molding, sculpting. Every day, then, is Advent. It's not 
just the season. Advent is all year round. Every day the Father comes. Every day the Father arrives. Every day the Father meets you and me where we are in our messiness, messed upness, confusion, stuckness, woundedness, brokenness. Not just to come to our aid, but, but, but you know, so that one day he can, he can stamp us with these words, God made. God made. And when that day finally occurs, the last day, the resurrection, our own Easter morning, then we will finally be in good shape. The best shape ever. The very shape that this potter had in his mind all along. And we will stand before this potter and we will finally see that happy grin that was over us all life long. We'll see it with our own eyes. And we'll see his eyes and then we fill with pride. And his mouth will open. And what we will hear, dear friends, is this. Voila. Voila. I make all things new. Even you, my masterpiece. Come soon, Lord Jesus. Amen.